Good morning. Let me read to you from Psalm 111. Verse three verses say this. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. Amen, guys? Amen. Amen. We're going to be talking the next two weeks a little bit about Prince Lions Church and what God has been doing and what he will be doing. This week is going to be a look back at 2022, and next week is going to be a look into the future. And so um, I want you to join me. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward at this time to receive the offering. And the first, is, as we get started here, I want to welcome all of you here, those of you who are online, as well as those who came in person. Uh, if it's your first time here, you can go to PrincetonAlliance.org, um, PrincetonAlliance.org, and you'll find that there's places at the top where it says pray and connect. If you want to leave a prayer request for us, you leave it there. If you want to connect with us, if it's your first time, we'd love you to fill out that form and let us know that you came here so that we can connect to you as well. So as we begin this Sunday, um, I want to talk about those three verses because we're here to praise God. And as we praise God together and look back at 2022, those three verses I read from Psalm 111 actually tell us three very specific things. The first thing it says is this. We give thanks with our whole heart. Amen? We give thanks with our whole heart. Anybody here not giving thanks with their whole heart? Come on, I know on a Sunday morning, there's a lot of things you could do besides getting ready to come here. Even if you're home, you could be spending the time doing something else other than clicking on the computer screen so you can watch us online, right? We come because we believe in this. We believe in him and we praise him. It's with our whole heart that we give praise. The singing part of our, our, our worship together especially is just for that so we can talk to God about how we actually feel about him. The second thing it tells us is that we are to do it, it says, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. That's us. That's what we're here for. And that's where praise is supposed to be given. Now, you can praise God anywhere, if you're by yourself, any place in the world, in the darkest place, in the lightest place, in the shortest time, in the longest time, right? We can always praise the God, no matter where we are, if we're with others, but it especially says it's to be done in the congregation. We want to take this morning to do that as we think of what he did for us in 2023. The third thing it says is this. These things are the works of the Lord, and they are full of splendor and majesty. These are the works of the Lord. When we look back on 2022 and what happened at Princeton Alliance Church, we're not going to pat ourselves on the back. That's not what we're here for, right? We're saying, we know this is of you. And publicly, we want to say it out loud. Thank you, God, for what you did in 2022. You know, last week, if you're a sports fan, at least an American football fan, they had the two big games that determined the two teams that are going to be playing in the Super Bowl next week, okay? I watched those games. And after one of the games, they interviewed the winning quarterback. And the interviewer went on and on and on before she even asked a question. She was just praising this guy up and down. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You fight through everything. You're going to be known for the ages. Your name is going to go down in history. How did you make it happen this week? Right? 
And his answer kind of took me back a little bit. He says, well, first of all, I just thank God that I can do this. And secondly, I have a great team. He immediately took the focus off himself and pointed to what he thought was really the reason that they won, right? So as we look back at 2022, we're not saying, hey, look at me, right? We're saying, thank you, God, for planting us. Thank you, God, for allowing us to have a church and for this team that you have put together to accomplish those things. So this morning, I wanted to take some time and talk and share three very specific stories of things that happened in 2022 for which we can praise God. And the first one starts with Pastor Tanya. I'm going to ask her to come up. Pastor Tanya is our pastor of youth, also our pastor of disabilities ministry. And in 2022, she started a ministry called Respite for the Disabled. And um, I'd just like her to talk about it. So I have a seat. I'm going to ask her a few questions. You can go ahead and welcome her up here. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. (laughs) So you started this in March of 2022, I think. So it's not even a year old. So can you just explain what this is? Yeah, so respite is either takes place on Friday nights or Saturday mornings. For about three hours, we provide uh, a great, fun time for individuals affected by special needs or disabilities so that their parents can get rest. And so they come with their siblings, and we have music and bounce houses and crafts and sensory play so they can have um, a really fun time while their parents can get some time to themselves and rejuvenate. And some of their parents sometimes stay and just stay together, right? And some of them go home and get something done while we do this for them, right? Yes. So, you know, as a lead pastor, I look at this, and to me, this looks like a really successful program. Um, I don't know if you feel that way or not. And if you do, why? Why do you think it's so successful? What's successful about it? Yeah, I think that God has been really faithful um, in growing this ministry and allowing people to receive um, just the blessing of rest and fun and a time designed for their children. And so we saw that our first respite, we served three families and nine children in March. And then the last respite that we had, we had nine families and 22 children. So um, it continues to grow and that's not just numbers, right? Those are stories, those are people, those are families that are being blessed by this program, and we see that every single time a family has attended, they've come back. Um, So we're really, really meeting the needs of these families, and um, it's also a super fun time here. We get to play a ton of games and have a ton of fun. Um, So we see uh, that, and then we also see that people are willing to drive. We have a family that drives over 45 minutes to come um, to participate in respite. And so again, I think it's just really exciting that we're meeting the needs of not only our church family, but also the community because about half of the families that participate or attend don't attend Princeton Alliance and some don't have faith backgrounds at all. That's amazing. That's fantastic. I love to hear about that. Um, and you're not doing it by yourself. I know you have a lot of help. So just talk about that aspect of this. Yeah. So I have a couple people that help me plan respite, Um, like a team of about three of us. And then after that, we have volunteers that help um, from serving as buddies um, to serving as room leaders, serving in promised land, uh, greeters. We have a nurse always on site just to help ensure safety. Um, And so we have had a lot of staff has participated and been able to see it. Um, And then we've also just 
through, you know, when you see it on church news and different things like that. Um, that is how we get more people to get involved and serve. And for me, a super sweet spot is that I'm also the youth pa- assistant youth pastor, and um, a lot of youth get to serve and want to serve within this ministry. And so that's a cool overlap to see them um, kind of stepping up and serving the next generation. Yeah, and I love to see it when there's multi-generational serving all together instead of just serving in their mm-hmm. separate pockets. So that's yes. fantastic. So without revealing any names, of course, just share a story of blessing from one of these families. Yeah. Um, so two stories kind of come to mind. One is for a family that has never been to our church before. Um, they actually found out about respite through an autism Facebook group. Um, I'm not exactly sure how it got in there, but it did. <laughs> and they signed up and were more than excited to come and attend. And they don't have a faith background, but they have um, two children that have uh, disabilities and then two uh, siblings as well. And so they were able to come and you could just see, like, I was like, if you want to stay, if you're not comfortable, they were like, no, no, we're going to go. You take the kids, we're good. Uh, And it was just very evident that they needed that time and space. And every single time her and her husband have come, they've gone out on a date. Um, They've come back every single time. And even the last one, she just emailed me afterwards and was like, thank you so much. The kids had a blast and I know that they were safe. And so um, that was just a big like win um, for them and for us, right? That we're meeting those needs. And then another one is really recent actually. Um, I was telling Pastor Boyd this this morning, but on Friday we had respite this past Friday and I was in the building and there were people um, doing some services in the building, checking the fire alarms and things like that. And a man knocked on my door and I thought he was gonna say that was working um, with that company and I thought he was going to say something like you know the fire alarm is about to go off don't be alarmed Um, but instead he said I see that it says disabilities um, right under my name by my office and he said do you do anything for children with autism and I said yeah we do and he said I have a child with autism Um, and he was so thankful. He was, I was telling and explaining what we do. And he said, well, how much does respite cost? And I said, it's free. And his mouth just dropped open. And he was like, oh my goodness, like we've been trying to find a church to get plugged into and we haven't been able to. Um, And so that was a really big God moment because one, I just wasn't expecting it. And two, I'm never on the build in the building on Fridays, but I was here for respite and got to have this conversation with this man. And, um, now his son is getting plugged in to get a buddy on Sunday mornings and hopefully attend respite in the future. And so um, those are some stories of how God is really moving again in our community, right? Um, and in our church family. Praise God. Thank, yeah, praise God. Thank you, Pastor Tommy. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you. I mean, you, your heart's beating a little faster right now. I mean, mine is. That is so cool. I mean, just think of this last story that she shared. Those two people would have never met her and this guy, right? Except he's doing service on the building at the same time that one of the only times that she's here on a Friday night. So praise God for what he does with these amazing coincidences where God continues to bring people together. 
Well, you know, our job is to reach the unreached, right? To reach people with the news of Jesus who don't know about Jesus. And when we think of the word unreached, we have lots of pictures. We think about those in a foreign country where they don't have churches and they don't hear about Jesus. Maybe we think of the dark places of our community, of our nation, those people who have uh, incredible difficulties that they overcome. Sometimes the unreached are just people we overlook. And we want to stop overlooking. And I think 2022, we started to stop overlooking different groups, particularly those with disabilities. Well, in 2022, we had lots of unnoticed ministries. So the second story I want to share with you, I'm not going to share. I'm going to ask Eric and Marta Acevedo if they would come forward. These are, uh, this couple is really involved in our church in a whole bunch of different ministries. Um, and one of the ministries that they're involved in is divorce care, okay? And I've asked them to come and share a little bit about their divorce care group uh, and the ministry it provides here at PAC. The stage is yours. I'm not going to interview. I'm just going to give you the two seats and tell us about divorce care. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, good morning. The Healing from the Divorce Group is a support group that aims to help people to find hope and healing from the deep pains of separation and divorce. And Marta and I, we're not counselors, but unfortunately we have had the uh, experience of being divorced in a previous marriage. And it was something that neither of us ever wanted, but it did happen to us. So we can relate to the deep hurt that divorce brings. You know, it was our desire, it's always been our desire since then to take the deep hurt and, and the, our life experiences that we had and, and have God flip it and turn it around and use it for good. At the time, we had no idea how or when he'd use us, but years later, we found our outlet by being able to facilitate a divorce care support group here at PIC. And we've been doing the group here since 2019, and since then, we've had over 100 people participate in our group. And it's, it's been a, um, yeah, we cover topics such as anger, anxiety, depression, loneliness, forgiveness, and a whole bunch of other topics. And it's taught by expert pastors and teachers and therapists and counselors and experts in the field where we watch them on video and then we have a time of group discussion and then, um, yeah, we've seen how God has used this in, in the lives of, of so many people who have participated in the group. And two of them come to mind. One gentleman, he found our group by searching online to join us, uh, a community group here. And um, he says he found refuge with being able to meet other people who can relate and understand what he's going through. He then also says he found he was able to cope with the, um, the difficulties of the divorce process. And eventually he was encouraged to use his newly found time to get involved in other ministries. He joined a men's group where he made new friends and grew spiritually. And then he also um, he joined another ministry where he serves to this very day. And she was interested in finding a Christian group that would help her sort of sort 
was experiencing um, even years after the divorce. And I tell you, the only way to understand um, divorce and, and what you feel through separation or divorce is by actually going through it. But what she described as being the most impactful when uh, she first started attending was the connection that she found with others who could relate, who could understand. And so she felt validated. And then she decided to attend our Sunday services here at PAC. And um, she fell in love with the easy to understand teaching of God's word. And she was able to grow in her faith and able to grow in her understanding of God's word. And she's always inviting people to come out to church with her on Sundays from the group, which is awesome. And, um, and you know, and despite the ongoing challenges of divorce, she has found her hope in Christ. And it is so wonderful to see her passion for sharing Jesus with others. Um, it, it really is. And what's also great about this group is that it really brings together people from all walks of life. I mean, it, it's, it attracts people from our community who might not otherwise walk into this church uh, or even know God, so we get a chance to actually point them to Jesus. Um, and, you know, it's our goal to show others that there is life after divorce, <laughs> that, um, that divorce does not define who they are, that God loves them and has a purpose for them, and that, you know, that they can have a hope and a future in Christ Jesus. And it has been such a privilege for us to be able to serve in this ministry and watch how God transforms and heals so many lives. So, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. So, in 2022, we took a big step in stop overlooking people through respite. And Eric and Marta have been so critical in meeting needs of hurting people's lives through divorce who are hurt by the event themselves, but also some of whom who have been hurt by their response by other churches. And I want us to continue to be that kind of church. Isn't that the kind of church that you want to be? Right? We want to be a place where healing takes place. We want to be a place where no one gets overlooked. I want to share a little bit more from Psalm 111. In the very beginning, I read the first three verses. But let me read to you the rest of the chapter. It's only seven more verses. It goes to verse 10. So verse 4 reads this way. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Verse 4 says, the Lord is gracious and merciful. That's the Lord we follow. That's the Lord we're supposed to be, who's to be an example to us. That he is always gracious and merciful, which means he never overlooks us. 
And he never does not hear the one who is in pain and respond to that one who is in pain. He doesn't just say it in his word. He demonstrated it by his life. The early church demonstrated it by their lives. Think of Jesus, even when he was born. What was the first group that was announced his birth? The shepherds. One of the most overlooked groups of societies where God reached out to them first and said, hey, your Messiah has finally come. Go and tell everybody you know about it. As he got involved in ministry, one day he was traveling down the road with his disciples and a large crowd, and there was a man, a blind man by the side of the road, crying out for help. His disciples tried to quiet the man so that Jesus could walk by and not be disturbed. And Jesus said no, and goes over to the man and gives him his sight. Another time he was walking along the road and a woman snuck up behind him just to touch the hem of his garment because she was sure that would heal her. And it did, but Jesus also wanted to stop and acknowledge her. A woman was brought down before him who was caught in the act of adultery and they were going to stone her, but he not only stopped the stoning, he also forgave her. Zacchaeus, a man loved by no one, hated by everyone, climbed a tree to see who he was and Jesus noticed Zacchaeus of all those people there, and said, today I'm going to have dinner at your house. Children tried to get to Jesus, and the disciples were trying to keep them away. And Jesus says, even the children are supposed to come to me. And then early in the church history, after Jesus went back to heaven to be with his father, Peter is walking into the temple, and he passes a lame man who asks for alms. And he says, well, money I don't have, but what I have in the name of Jesus is I heal you. And he did that. Paul, the great missionary statesman, right? Before he was persecuting churches, and now he meets Jesus in Damascus, and God blinds him, and nobody would go near him of the Christian faith except for Ananias who God asked them to restore the sight to Paul so Paul could become that missionary statement. This is the church that God not only demonstrated in his life, but he wants us to be. We took steps in 2022 to be that type of spirit-led church. So let's stop overlooking people like those with disabilities. Let's make sure our church is a place for healing rather than condemnation, not just for people who are hurting because of divorce, but people who are hurting for any reason whatsoever because we're to be like God in the sense that God is gracious and merciful, according to verse 4. You know, I just got back from New Orleans about a week ago, never been to the city before, only was there for a weekend. And New Orleans has... Incredible beauty, some of it in strange places. You know, these magnificent mansions they have. And uh, there's a swampland there that has its own type of beauty, right? Lots of beauty in New Orleans, kind of a southern charm to it. But there's a lot of pain in that city. I couldn't believe it when I got there. Hurricane Katrina had gone through and wrecked that city, but it was years ago, and they still haven't recovered. There are places that are still washed out, even in the center city, skyscrapers that were emptied because of that hurricane and flooded out that never got restored, and there's nobody back in them. There are empty shells in the middle of this city that's bustling now, but empty shells, hollow structure, concrete structures with no windows on them. Homeless people are everywhere. 
Now, homeless people are everywhere in the United States, particularly in southern cities when it's warmer, but I saw many of them there. Such a divide between rich and poor that it's so clear to see. This is a hurting city. Remember, we are told that the Lord is gracious and merciful and that we are to be his people and follow his example. Verse 6 says this, we are given the inheritance of the nations. That's a strange phrase, right? We're given the inheritance of the nations. What does that mean, that we are given the inheritance of the nations? Well, this psalm was written a long, long time ago, and I think what was in the author's mind as God told him to write these psalms out was the fact that this is what happened to Israel when they got released from Egypt as slaves. Then they went to Canaan, which belonged to all these other Canaanite civilizations, and God took it from them because of their sin and gave it as an inheritance to Israel. I think that's what the author was thinking about, but we know now that many people, especially Old Testament writers, wrote things that they didn't understand fully. They were just putting down the words of God, and they never experienced some of the things that they were writing about, but they knew it was going to happen. This has a deeper meaning. In Psalm 82, which actually comes obviously before Psalm 111, Psalm 82, it says, God inherits the nations. God inherits the nations. So when he says he gives us the inheritance, I think he's asking us to join him to create this inheritance. He wants us to bring these people to a knowledge of God so that they can become the inheritance of God himself. That's our major job. And how does that happen? Well, verse 9 says this. He has sent redemption to his people. Very simple line. He has sent redemption to his people. Again, the author probably was thinking that he redeemed his people out of slavery in Egypt, but we know it means so much more than that. He sent Jesus on the cross, our redemption from sin for all time, all generations, all time, right? He has sent redemption. He's done the work. We just have to spread the news. We're going to talk about that more next week. But that's our major goal here, to bring that redemption that God has provided to the nations. You think that's hard, by the way? It's hard for you to share Christ? It's hard for to lead people to Jesus? I think it's hard, right? And I think some people find it very easy. I think some of us sometimes find it easy. I think the majority of Christians find it hard. And there's a reason for that. It takes a lot. It takes boldness. It takes commitment. It takes trust in the Lord and not going along with your fears. It takes compassion. It takes having the burden of God for those who don't know him. The eyes of Jesus to see those around us who don't know them. And all of that comes by prayer. So it takes prayer. It takes prayer first and foremost, but it doesn't take just prayer. It's work to do this, to bring redemption to the nations. And so it's difficult sometimes. I personally... I have led people actually to the Lord over the phone, like low-hanging fruit. They're all ready, and we're having a phone call, and boom, it just happens on the phone call, right? But I have a list of people that I pray for that I've been in their lives for years, being a friend, serving them, helping them, enjoying life with them, sharing the good news, doing whatever I could for years, and they still haven't responded. But this is what he calls us to do. This is not something you can think about just once in a while. It has to come from in here. It has to be a lifestyle commitment to be able to do this so that we can join God in bringing that inheritance to him. 
One of the most successful groups in doing this, I think, in our church is, uh, for lack of a better word, we just call it the Chinese group, okay? This is a group of people that, you know, we have baptisms usually a couple times a year here in the church. And I would say almost always, but maybe it's always, whenever we have that baptism, at least one of the persons that we're baptizing during that time has been led to the Lord by someone in this Chinese group. When we weren't able to do our mission trips because of uh, COVID the last couple years, this group still did work overseas through Zoom in Southeast Asia. And they led seminars that would interest people to join in Southeast Asia at the time that was appropriate for Southeast Asians, right? And they, at one of them, they had 50 non-believers who were part of that seminar they were able to introduce to an important topic, but even more importantly, six local home churches near where these 50 people lived. Tonight, tonight this group is having a Lunar New Year celebration, a Chinese New Year celebration, just so they can invite their non-believing friends to come here. And so this morning, the third story I want to share with you is actually in video format about two women and the commitment they made to see a third one come in the commitment. So watch the screens. My name is Anna Liu. I have been PhD about uh, 10 years. Hello, my name is Rebecca Song. I have been attending PhD almost seven years. 我叫李淑芬,2022年2月在PAC受浸。It all started right after Sophie accepted the Lord during a leisure trip of three families to Lake Placid in September 2021. The idea of beginning Bible reading with her emerged in my mind. Naturally, I was thinking, she's a believer now. She's a newborn. Now what? Babies need milk. We care about her so much that uh, um, we don't want to see her missing out the most important thing in her journey of faith. When Sophie mentioned that she was worried about no, not being able to read the Bible by herself, Rebecca and I said, that is real for us can read the Bible together every day. It is a big uh, commitment. As the Bible says, a cord of three strings, strings is not quickly broken. We accomplished a one-year Bible reading plan in 2022. <laughs> 到现在快十六个月了帮助我用神的话语医治我内心的伤痛如果没有他们的陪伴带领我肯定不会这样紧紧抓住神。It would be a shame if reading the Bible every day was just doing homework. Come to God first thing in the morning is like singing the song of ascent with the sisters, experiencing 
synergy between us. Two is better than one, let alone three of us. It is a wonderful time. Reading the Bible every day, meet God every morning, and uh, receive the supply from God every moment. I'm full of hope and uh, satisfaction every day. 每天的读经，让我得到从神而来的平安和喜乐。人生总有不如意，但我们可以从神得到爱，得到盼望。